This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Teams try to settle the score. Three on three. Domi loses it and now gets it back. Domi deeks, shoots and scores. Max Domi, the hero in overtime for the Blackhawks. They'll pick up the extra point. The Flames will have to settle for one on this Sunday night in Chicago as the Blackhawks beat them by a final score of four to three in overtime. Not an ideal start to a five-game road trip for Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Happy Monday. Thanks for being here. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Flames kick off a five-game road trip with an overtime loss to the Chicago Blackhawks last night. And we'll dive into all of that with our Flames analyst, Pete Labardius, coming up in just moments. The NFL playoff picture is now set. Coaching changes already happening across the league. Lots to get into on this Monday as well. Plus things uh, not so rosy up north either for the Edmonton Oilers. We'll check in with our pal from 630, Chad Reed Wilkins. On the latest with the Edmonton Oilers, they fell on Hockey Night in Canada to Kale McCarr and the Colorado Avalanche. They are in L.A. tonight getting set to take on the Kings. Uh, We are here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room, our outstanding production team, and we'll kick the program off like we always do. Heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, welcoming in Flames insider Peter Labardius. He's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you? I am excellent, thank you. Good to hear, my man. Uh, not an ideal start to the five-game road trip uh, for the Calgary Flames. Uh, a sluggish start, a game they never lead in. They're able to tie it up a couple of times, but uh, eventually leads to that Max Domi overtime winner that I played coming in. Just give me your thoughts on the uh, Flames' effort last night in Chicago. Well, sluggish is a good word to talk about the start, and Daryl after the game, made mention of the fact, and we talked about it during the broadcast last night, not sure I ever remember a scenario where a team played and did not skate again with the group until game time, but they could not get into the saddle dome for a practice before they left, uh, flew the four hours. And then because of the six o'clock start opted to not skate uh, in the 10 30 AM window yesterday, at United Center, so that was something I never could remember in all my time being in that situation. Seemed like it uh, gave them some difficulty getting into the game as a whole. Uh, Not a good first, not a good start to the second. Uh, Their second period was excellent. 
got them back in the game, tied it at three, and I would call it just a so-so third period where you would have looked for them to continue, not the complete domination of period number two, but I thought it was even in the third period, and anything can happen in the three-on-three or in shootouts, and Chicago makes a play, and they win a hockey game that most people expected the Flames to come away with two instead of one, including myself. Uh, to your point, some of that preparation and the inability for the team to uh, to get a skate in was uh, addressed by head coach Daryl Sutter uh, in the post game. You know what? We got to take the point. Right? We didn't skate yesterday because the Harlem Globetrotters were playing in our building. We had to travel and we couldn't skate this morning because six o'clock game. We better be thankful that we we got a point, considering that a lot of our young players uh, didn't show up. Lack of preparation. Right? Got taken by the hand. Some of these guys. He also went on to say, though, that it wasn't just year one. He said guys who have even been around for five or six. So you hear young guys, but it was clarified, and it was more than just the young guys for me on that front. Yeah, it felt like the whole team was lackluster is, is the best way I can put it, Lou. When I think about their checking game last night, their play away from the puck was just you know, below standard. And it's one of those things that as long as I can remember here with this tenure with Daryl, he's tried to you know drill into everybody that this has to be a good checking team and it has to be good defensively because – they got the three goals last night, and, and I know it's a stat that's been brought up. When they get to that three-goal mark, they're winning more games than they're losing, but you're not going to win many with that defensive effort regardless of who the opponent is. Well, they gave up too many quality opportunities. On the whole, the shot amount they gave up was fine. And again, it's one of the reasons, Logan, I don't pay as much attention to expected numbers and underlying numbers, uh, not that they don't have value and not that they're not used by every team. We're always looking to chart more stuff, but it's not about expected things. It's about actual things. And the end of the game, despite the large number of shots, scoring chances were very even across the board and that's not what the flames had wanted or hoped for in chicago where you have to give the blackhawks credit uh they got some terrific performances from you know max domi that line it was a career night very early in his tenure for first round pick of the hawks in the year 2020 former world junior player and star with germany in lucas reichel they played well last night and you know, they got a very, not what I would call great goaltending outing from Alex Stalock, but a very serviceable and solid one. So the flames went to St. Louis after the game, thinking it should have been two and had to settle for one. Luke, can you put your finger on why the team has struggled in games where they've put up, so many shots. I can't, I've thought a lot about it and I'm, I'm curious if you have a view on that. Yeah, I do. And it's a pretty simple view. And that is 
there's not a lot of guys on the team that necessarily score easy. So that's A. And B, on nights where they don't score as much as the shots would indicate, is generally because they don't get to the inside for enough grade A's and rebounds and deflections. So the most positive part about the game last night was their power play, which had not been very good going into the game. But five on five again, lots of shots, not enough quality ones for my liking. So I guess, do you change that if you're Daryl Sutter? Do you look to adjust that? Because it's been so much part of this team's DNA under the coach this time around, Lou, is that high shot volume. It's clearly something that they want to get through, but they're just not, as you say, they're just not getting the quality of chances when they do that. Do you look to change that up, or do you still try to fight through with what you know? Well, while it's grouped all together, Logan, when this team plays the way it should, mm-hmm. it's going to outchance their opponent. And when you outchance your opponent with quality chances, not just shot volume, this team's probably going to win most of those games. But the issue for me, just using last night, and I know the question that you're asking, is you gave up four yeah. to Chicago. You got three. For this group, when they play the right way, most of the time, three has been enough and will be enough. Would you like to see some more? Absolutely. Um, I don't. I just. I don't see Daryl changing what he believes in. He never has. He's been successful with it. So, I. I don't. I don't really see, I don't see major change, but I do continue to see tinkering. But for this group, for me, um, even last year, the first thing people point to is what's the record when you get three. I always point to what's the record when you give up two or less. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and it makes a lot of sense for this group right now, Lou, and they're uh, set for two straight in St. Louis this week, and uh, those will be important games here as we head into uh, the later half of this uh, road trip for the Calgary Flames. We're chatting with Peter Labardius, our Flames insider, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. Joins us every single day here on Sportsnet today to kick off the program. Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to touch on from last night. You brought it up once already here, and the power play does go two for three and you know great timing if you go back to the flames talk post game show uh from the flames last game out against the new york islanders you had uh, kirk muller join you guys in the hot stove lounge and chatted about the power play and that shot mentality of getting pucks towards the net and it was a successful night all things considered all three of the power plays i thought the flames generated some pretty good chances last night lou they did they scored twice it's the best their power play has looked in probably weeks and it did start you could tell the message was when we want to face off first time we get a lane to the net get it there and their movement without the puck was better their exchanges uh low to high guys moving around making themselves more difficult to check their puck movement 
inside the zone was better. Retrieval was better. One and off face-offs during that stretch was, which is always important. And, you know, again, Logan, just on the offensive side of things, including the power play, where did the two power play goals get scored from? Right in front of the net. Right in front of the net. So when the work is good and the process is good and you get bodies in there and you get some screens and you take away some eyes and you get extra chances, you're going to score more goals. And that's not just for the Flames. That's by and large for everybody. So that was truly the most positive part for Calgary about last night and that they got a point because I don't care who you're playing in this league. Anytime you find yourself in a two-goal hole, always difficult to chase and always difficult from two goals down in particular to climb your way back and get something out of it. Uh, talk to me a bit about Jacob Markstrom's night, Lou. Uh, it ends early into the second period, uh, 35 seconds in Philip Kurashev's fifth of the year ends Markstrom's night. He finishes with just eight saves on 11 shots, makes way for Dan Vladar, who I thought was tremendous uh, in relief. The only goal he gives up winds up being that OT winner uh, to Max Domi. Uh, according to the coach post game, it wasn't about shaking his team up. He feel, it simply felt as though his goaltender was getting outplayed by the guy on the other side. Uh, that was the statement. I certainly didn't think he was at fault for goals number one or goal number three. You could make an argument that he didn't steer the rebound as well as he would like. He would be the first to tell you that on goal number two. I still do think it was a combination of didn't feel like Jacob gave him a big one when he needed it. And equal to that is the group just was not very good in front of him. And to Daniel Vladar's credit, came in and you know, pitched a shutout until overtime, which gave his team an ample opportunity to come back and tie it and to win it. They didn't, but it was another excellent outing for the Flames number 80. Uh, Lou, you and me haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. It happened over the weekend, and sounds as though it might factor into this uh, coming road trip. The Flames make two recalls from the Calgary Wranglers, Jacob Peltier, and Walker Dewar now both with the team and getting in a full skate with them tomorrow, uh, today, actually, in St. Louis, getting set for that game. Uh, according to Danny Austin of Post Media, Dewar has been getting some look on the fourth line with uh, Ruzichka and Lewis. Uh, Pelche simply subbing in for Dubé uh, on the top line. So just feels as though they're, they're working him in in a spot. Sounds as though Dewar might have uh, a better opportunity to get in tomorrow. We'll still wait and see what any of this means as far as game time tomorrow. But just your thoughts on those two uh, getting the recall up from uh, the Wranglers. Well, let's start with the guy who might come in. And again, am I surprised by that? No, not when I factor in the coach and the role and the responsibility. Um, The line centered by Zahorna which I thought was very good in the previous game where the Flames beat the Islanders at home. Um, it was not a line that was very good last night on the ice, I believe, for two of the three goals as far as 
to get to three to one, and they were not used very much at all down the stretch in the third. So I did think there might be an opportunity for one of those two guys to come in. Um, and, you know, Walker, you know what he is. He's good size. He plays with good pace. He'll play with some physicality and won't be shocked if he gets in. Jacob absolutely 100% deserved the call-up. He's off to another great start at the American League level. Um, He has played the type of hockey that uh, has earned him the recall. I've liked his motor. Uh, He's contributed. He's killed penalties. He's been smart with and without it. Um, And those are some of his real trademarks. And his work has been very, very good after I thought even a bit of a a sluggish start in the first two or three games that I watched him play with the Wranglers. So does he get in? Not sure. And I won't be surprised if Walker Dewar gets an opportunity first, which I'm going to guess is probably – not going to sit well with the outside world, but, uh, you know, the guy making the decision doesn't really care about the outside world. No, he doesn't. Um, interesting here now, uh, Peter, before we go, just a couple quick ones to, uh, to let you go this afternoon. Uh, interesting thing now in the scheduling that's, you know, come really since the COVID uh, years, and we've started to see more of this as players uh, didn't mind sticking around in a city to – you know, uh, for a couple of games. We'll see that this week, two straight in St. Louis. So the Flames will be in St. Louis Tuesday and Thursday. We've seen St. Louis recently. We know what the story is with them, and we'll get more into them, you know, as the week goes on here. But I'm just curious, from your perspective, what you'd like to see more of from the Flames out of last night's game as they head into these two against St. Louis. Well, they just have to get back to, you know, tomorrow's going to be a tough game It's going to be a heavier game. The Blues are always a very good opponent, and they play the Flames very, very well at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Again, this team has to get back to its identity, and that's, you know, very much a check for chances mentality. Uh, Forecheck has to be at a premium. When their forecheck through the offensive zone and the neutral zone is good. They're as good as anybody can be in the league when they're at the top of their game and all their people are dialed in and closing gaps and getting pucks in behind the defense and going to work. They will have to be, again, more consistent with that against a team that, uh, not unlike the Flames, has had a very similar type season where – you know, there's been some great runs, and there's been some less than stellar runs for the Blues. Uh, and last but not least, before we let you go, the uh, Western Hockey League getting in on some of the uh, crazy trades that we're used to seeing oh, more boy. in the eastern part of the country, Lou, and now we're starting to see them come out west here in just the last couple of days. Kamloops and Everett coming together for a massive trade. The Giants sent Zach Ostapchuk to the Winnipeg Ice. That Seeing it out on paper, that trade that Kamloops and Everett put out there with four players and nine draft picks, it's all uh, pretty crazy to see it. We're starting to see it more on the Western Hockey League side of things, something we're not used to. 
Uh, no, we aren't really used to that. And, and I think, I think in part, you know, Kamloops is hosting the Memorial Cup. They want to give themselves the best chance to win that and up their opportunity to win the league. Now, the haul they gave up, you'd need two U-Hauls to put it in. And it is going to be quite difficult for them going forward as a result. And especially with all those first-round picks that they have now loaded Everett up with over the next number of years, if I'm not mistaken, there's so many options, I can't remember all of them, but I think I counted three or four first-round picks um, to get Hofer and, more importantly, one of the best junior defensemen on planet Earth, and that's Olin Zellweger, a two-time world junior gold medalist. And you write four first-rounders in there. Yeah, I was pretty sure I counted four. I can get there on my hand, so that's usually <laughs> helpful for me. Um it's also easy to count my bank account, which doesn't get past four fingers either. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It is an absolute ton. Um, and I think somewhat influenced Logan. You know, I haven't picked up the phone today to call Sean Clouston. Uh, could. And at some point, I'm sure I will, you know, cross paths with him. But I think part of it is, you know, the Western Hockey League has not won a Memorial Cup since 2014 when the Edmonton Oil Kings did that in London, beating Guelph in the championship game. Uh, they have had some host teams, i.e. Regina, in 2018 in a final. Uh, the last league champion to get to the final was the Kelowna Rockets all the way back in Quebec City in 2015. So it's been it's been a lean time. So I think that has something to do with it as well. As you know, it is very helpful for your league in a lot of different ways to you know be crowned and put on the top of the CHL mountain. And this year, I think the Western League is going to be as well represented as they have been in a long time because they will have two teams and, you know, Seattle, obviously to me, after what they've done and continue to add, they're going to have to wait a while for world junior member Colton Dock to get healthy uh, after he suffered a shoulder injury, which forced him out of the tournament in Halifax. But that's an awfully good, awfully deep team. And yes, the Kamloops Blazers, they sold the farm and maybe half another one. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty remarkable. We're not done seeing these kind of trades yet. Still sounds as though, uh, you know, uh, Shane Wright, the captain uh, of Team Canada World Juniors, is, is likely headed to London. That'll be a massive package as well. So still more of these to go, but you're right. The Western Hockey League now getting in on the action, and we're starting to see some some massive teams in the WHL looking forward to how the rest of this season goes and oh Connor Bedard just uh, doing what he does in a, yeah, bad a return, return game. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> Jeff Chenault and Steve Hamilton oh. are like, couldn't you have waited one more day <laughs> to get this guy back? Yeah. Take the slow fight back. Holy. What yeah. a kid. What a player. Holy. Yeah. Nice to come back and put up a four and two. Jeez. Oh, 
Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Lou, thanks for the time as always, pal. Uh, we'll chat with you on a game day tomorrow. Okay, have a good one, everybody. Bye now. There you go. Peter Labardius, Flames Insider, and the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. He comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and he's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. You can give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group. .ca. We'll chat more Calgary Flames this afternoon as we uh, react to the loss last night in Chicago and get set for two straight game days in St. Louis. But we'll shift the focus to the NFL next. Wildcard weekend is set. We've got some massive matchups across the NFC and the AFC. And the coaching carousel has begun with more coaches getting fired on the first day of many teams offseason. We'll dive into it uh, with Zig Fricasi from Sirius NFL Radio. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Week 18 of the NFL season is in the books. Coaches are receiving their pink slips. Wildcard weekend is set to go, and there's no one we'd rather talk to to get you set for what should be a great weekend of football starting on Saturday. Some of the fallout of the NFL regular season, uh, then by going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and chatting with a friend of the station and a host on Sirius XM NFL and also a contributor to Sirius XM NHL as well. It's our pal Zig Fricasi uh, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Zig, thanks for doing this as always, man. How are you? Logan, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. And uh, look, we should start with the, the most important news uh, of the day, and that's uh, coming from uh, Cincinnati today, and that's the DeMar Hamlin uh, has been released uh, from the UC medical staff there and is heading home to Buffalo where he will uh, continue his care and treatment uh, in Buffalo. It's been a tremendous story, Zig, and I'm sure you're as happy as I am uh, to hear that the young man is heading back to Buffalo. Yeah, what a, a week that was uh, from last Monday night when we saw that uh, the young man collapse on the field and everybody, including myself, was shell-shocked and Obviously, uh, the fast-acting uh, uh, Buffalo trainers and, of course, their medical staff, the Cincinnati medical staff. And then, you know, you're starting to hear news a few days later that, you know, he's squeezing hands and uh, greeting family and all this. And then you fast-forward to yesterday. I was reading some statements from the doctors there that apparently when uh, Himes broke that first kickoff for a touchdown, he set off every alarm in the ICU <laughs> because he was jumping around everywhere. So, um, And then to get today's news that he's been discharged, he's going back to western New York where he'll be in the very good hands of uh, medical people there. So it's really, it's really something that uh, I think's unified the NFL. It's unified the country, uh, prayers and love and you know, obviously, people raising money for his, you know, toy drive. His goal was two thousand dollars. I think it was like over seven million dollars the last time I checked. So, um, you know, it's it's amazing how uh, everything came to be what it is. So now the prayers are for him, obviously, to have a, a great recovery and then full life. Whether football is down the road, Logan, that's a decision way down the road. But the immediate. Uh, concern, obviously, is for his continued improvement and obviously being able to uh, get back to society to be a, a healthy, happy human being. 
And huge kudos goes out to, to Sean McDermott and his team yesterday. And you mentioned yep. the, the two returns from Naeem Hines, and that felt as inspired a moment as I've seen in the NFL in a long time for you know them to go out and have that performance that they did. And what must have been, I really can't even imagine it from the outside looking in, Zig, as to how hard it would have been for them to, to focus on football this week and get set for that last regular season game, knowing that their friend and their teammate was in the hospital and was doing better, but that's still never easy. That would have been a tough week of prep for them. Oh, I imagine so. You know, and and the thing was too. And glad it didn't turn out this way. But God forbid if it had been, you know, his continued condition continued to have been, you know, neutral or on the serious side or whatever. Then when they have gone ahead to play the games, but fortunately, the power of prayer, the power of modern medicine. Uh, and the young man, once the week got on, I again, I'm not there all the time, but I would think as the news got better, I think it probably set them off like, okay, he's going to be all right. He's still going to be in our thoughts and prayers. And I, and I even thought Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, uh, had said well for his team because they were the other team on that Monday night. He says, we can go ahead and look ahead to our game, but let's not look past DeMar and his continued improvement. So I'm sure Sean McDermott and his staff probably implemented a similar mantra, and basically they kept it simple. I think they rode the wave, Logan, of those two returns for touchdowns. There were gaps in that game. <coughs> Excuse me. There were gaps in that game where I thought that uh, Buffalo was in trouble. I thought New England actually outplayed them for a decent amount of stretches. But when push came to shove, they found the resolve to win, and that's what good teams do. And obviously that was a great response for uh, DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, no doubt he would have been excited to see his team pull out a victory, and uh, they now get the number two seed in the AFC. They'll uh, host the Miami Dolphins as part of Wild Card Weekend uh, coming up here. But last, uh, obviously, Sunday obviously was full of Plenty of different deciding factors as to what we would see in wildcard weekends, Zig, and probably no bigger matchup determining it than Sunday night. The Seahawks get an overtime win against the Rams, which means the Packers need to win if they want to get into the postseason. Aaron Rodgers has a dreadful fourth quarter, and the Detroit Lions, while not making the playoffs, make a big statement beating Green Bay in Lambeau Field on Sunday night to potentially send Aaron Rodgers off into the sunset. I don't know about you. We've been down this road before with Aaron, but he sure sounded like a guy that, if he isn't already decided, is is probably leaning towards retirement at this point. Well, it'll be interesting to see because the Packers, you know, even Aaron indicated it last night where this, he said there was probably going to be more of a mutual decision because let's not forget here, they did draft Jordan Love in the first round. So at some point, you're going to have to find out sooner or later what you've got in him. And for the microwave generation that there is in terms of fans and some media, you know, let's let this kid play a few games before we say he's a bust. I mean, it's ridiculous how some of these uh, hot takers react nowadays. Can we let him play a few games? All right, so now having said that from the old man syndrome, it'll be interesting (laughs) to see. Because, you know, what is it? I think if he's on the roster, there might be some kind of guarantee of like $58 million, whatever the case may be. So I think they're going to have to look at that 
long term. Uh, we had Kirby Joseph on last night, the young man who had that big interception late in the fourth quarter. By the way, picked off Aaron twice uh, in the opening game, or the first time they played against them in Detroit. And it was interesting because he he knew, they knew that they were eliminated. But they said, and I loved his line, he says, hey, if we ain't going to the playoffs, they ain't going either. So I loved his attitude towards the whole thing. And on the Detroit side, I don't know, maybe I want to bite a few kneecaps and play for Dan <laughs> Campbell because, boy, oh, boy, did they close the season strong and, you know, that's going to be a really nice team to look forward to. I think a full year with another year with Goff in, in the system. You'll have Williams back uh, a full year. The uh, number one pick out of Alabama is a receiver. Uh, Swift and Williams in that backfield. Hutchinson's a one-man beast in terms of a pass rush. If they fix up the defense a little bit, Detroit, I think, will be in for a playoff spot next year. Green Bay could be a little bit of transition because not only are you dealing with Rodgers, but then Walker. I mean, my gosh, what the hell are you doing? You know, shoving a, 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 a Lions trainer yeah. when the guy's down. I mean, that's a lack of discipline. And then you saw the other instance when Rasul Douglas walks basically along the line of scrimmage and tries to disrupt the Lions center from snapping the ball. I'm like, what is going on right now? So you wonder if maybe uh, Matt LaFleur... Uh, started to lose the locker room a little bit. It's going to be an interesting off season, I think, in Green Bay for the Packers. Let's uh, let's take a look at Wild Card Weekend, and uh, as we transition from that game and the Sunday night result, it does mean that Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks are back in the playoffs. They'll take on their division rival to kick things off uh, Saturday in Santa Clara against the 49ers. And how about this storyline for the the Seahawks coming in here, Zig? No Russell Wilson. They trade him for assets. They're expected to be the the low seed in all of this, and they go out nine and eight with Geno Smith as their quarterback. They are in the playoffs, and on the other side of it sits a top five selection, thanks to the rough year in Denver. Kind of feels like the Seahawks can head into this game Saturday, sort of you know no holds barred because what do they have to lose? Zig, they weren't supposed to be here, and they've got a top NFL prospect coming their way in the draft. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, Geno Smith proved that, uh, you know, he wasn't a one-trick pony. I mean, my gosh, near 70% completions broke a ton of uh, Seahawks passing records this uh, one season. And, of course, there is the familiarity. This is the third time they played this year. San Francisco's already won the first two. And you know as well as I do, it's very tough to beat a team three times in a year. And a lot's expected from San Francisco. I mean, they've won 10 straight games to close out the year. Brock Purdy looks like the second coming of Joe Montana, the way that he's been playing uh, down the the stretch, having to come on. You know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. I'm not quite sure yet uh, what the status of Jimmy Garoppolo is. And if he is ready to play, you got to wonder, does he go back, Kyle Shanahan, does he go back to the veteran or does he stick with the hot hand and Purdy? So I think, you know, only they know uh, what Garoppolo's status is at this particular point. A lot of pressure's on San Francisco. So I, I think Seattle lets it, lets it ride a little bit. But I think in the end, the better defense uh, and the better talent will probably win that ball game. 
And then the Saturday nighter, just uh, the two games on Saturday to kick things off wildcard weekend, a battle of uh, top young quarterbacks in the league. The L.A. Chargers make the postseason. They're heading to Jacksonville to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. That's got to be all about the battle between Herbert and Lawrence, hey? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, Jacksonville two years ago, you know, one in uh, 15, and then on Urban Meyer comes in. It's a train wreck last year, and then the Jags closed this year strong. You can see the emergence of Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick a couple of years ago. Um, so you can see that coming. And with the Chargers, I- I'm still not understanding what the hell Brandon Staley did yesterday. The coach there uh, decided – I guess maybe from a momentum standpoint, Logan, he played the starters to try to keep them fresh and in playoff mode. But, geez, Bosa, Joey Bosa, just returned to the lineup after missing most of the season. He leaves limping. Then you've got Mike Williams making acrobatic catches all over the place. All of a sudden, that young man injures his back, needed help from what I read uh, to get to the team bus and everything like that. So it really made you wonder – what Coach Staley was doing. So you may not have now two of your key players available for this game. It's a short week, travel southeast to the United States. Uh, this could be a tricky spot for uh, Herbert and the Chargers this week. I would probably tend to favor the rest of Jags at home. And then Sunday we'll see three games, uh, another divisional match, another couple divisional matchups uh, actually on Sunday, both of them coming out of the AFC the Ravens will see the Bengals again. They just finished up playing yesterday. You've got the Giants and the Vikings. Uh, but I want to ask you about the Bills and the Dolphins, Zig. And uh, Tua Tungavailoa has dealt with plenty this year. He's still dealing with concussions. Uh, early reports seem to indicate that he might have a chance to play on Sunday. Given what we saw from the Dolphins in that lackluster performance on Sunday, I have a bad feeling about them heading into New York against the Buffalo Bills even if they have Tua, but definitely without Tua, this team's looking at an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. You know, Skylar Thompson is what he is. I mean, he did play pretty well in terms of the uh, the final drive there that actually got them, you know, to the game-winning field goal, but he didn't really do much to inspire confidence. And you, you got to think now, from the Bills' standpoint, we got through the emotion, the roller coaster. Uh, of our fallen teammate, DeMar Hamlin, who again is doing very, very well in terms of progress. Now can we focus on the matter at hand? And many have picked the Bills to come out of the AFC. I don't see a scenario where Miami wins this game. I think the Bills now, knowing that their teammate's doing well, and like I said, got that game out of their system now. They've got a full week to prepare, full week of focus. They know the expectations. And there's never going to be any shortage of motivation whenever the Bills and Dolphins play, especially for Bills Mafia. Old enough, some of us old enough actually to remember that 20 game losing streak that they had against Miami <laughs> that ended in 1980. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think in the end, the Bills have too much for Miami. Uh, and uh, definitely wanted to get your thoughts on the Monday nighter, the Cowboys and the Bucks. It should be a massive ratings game for the NFL with uh, two storied franchises. Obviously, Tom Brady and his future in Tampa Bay still up in the air, but he's got a playoff scenario to go through here first. And what a battle this is, Zig. The Cowboys, who you can never trust in these playoff situations, and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who you can almost never bet against when it comes to playoff scenarios. This one is rife with storylines, and I'm quite looking forward to this matchup on Monday. 
look at it, the, the odds makers are actually favoring the road team with <clears throat> excuse me, the road team with the better record here. So it's going to make people wonder, well, why is Tampa a home underdog? Well, the fact is they weren't very good this year. Uh, their their division record was average. Uh, they were able to come out, quite frankly, of a bad division. Uh, Brady was good this past year, but you could tell he missed Gronk. There were instances throughout the year that the connection with Mike Evans wasn't very good. Uh, the defense is still good, um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if you're basing everything on what Dallas did against Washington yesterday, then the Cowboys shouldn't even bother showing up. But I got a feeling they're going to be much better than that. I think, in fact, yesterday could be a blessing in disguise because Dallas knows they got a lot to correct. Dak's got to cut out the interceptions. If Bedash returns to center, that frees up, I think, a better running attack. If there is a time for the Cowboys to finally beat Tom Brady, 7-0 lifetime against him, whether it's New England or Tampa Bay, Monday night might be the time. Because if it isn't, then you know that the, uh, the buzzers are going to be coming out, even though the Cowboys back-to-back 12-win seasons, back-to-back playoffs for the first time in 15 years. If they don't win, I guarantee you the buzzards are coming out for Mike McCarthy if Dallas lays an egg Monday night. Uh, Zeke Fracassi joining us from Sirius XM uh, NFL Radio, talking all things Wild Card Weekend as the NFL's regular season wrapped up yesterday, Week 18 now in the books. And as it always happens, Zeke, uh, immediately as teams begin to get ready for the offseason, the coaching carousel begins. Lovey Smith uh, let go by the Texans last night after winning their way out of the number one overall pick, but the big changes coming in Arizona after a massively disappointing year. Cliff Kingsbury has been let go. Steve Kime won't be back as GM. What kind of situation do you see a GM coach walking into in Arizona? It felt like not long ago we were talking about the Cardinals potentially being a real threat in that division. Yeah, I think the key to it is now, how do you handle Kyler Murray? You know, he's your franchise quarterback. I mean, it's clear when he's dialed in, he's an exciting player to watch, but there have been justified questions about his leadership or lack thereof. So you wonder now, and he's under a long-term contract, Mike Bidwell paid him very well to be the franchise quarterback, even though they didn't have to. So I still don't understand why they rushed into the contract like they did. So I think the first thing for any coach or GM is y'all better get to know Kyler Murray really good, and you better be able to deal with some of the stuff that he uh, sort of presents. Uh, And that kid, uh, he may not even be ready to start the 2023 season because he's coming off of uh, knee surgery late in the year. So it's going to be a kind of tenuous situation. And it's interesting here, Logan, because – You know, not too long ago, the NFL owners, they had their meeting, and one of the things that they talked about was that, you know, these teams, you know, they're they're right to fire coaches, which is their right, but at the same time, you know, you still got to pay off the contracts here. And if you remember, not even a year ago, Kime, the GM, who's got health issues, and Kingsbury both signed multi-year extensions. So now you got to pay them off. And then you're going to have to pay a new coach, a new GM. So that was kind of a curious thing to do. But I think in the end, uh, Arizona not being able to win at home, 
some of Kingsbury's coaching decisions came into question. I, I think some of the players started to tune him out. And with Houston, Lovey Smith, who I think is an honorable man and I think an outstanding defensive coordinator, not sure he's a head coach, but I'm telling you, them going for the win yesterday may have been the blank you to management saying, I don't care about the number one pick. Maybe he knew he was gone, so that was his departing gift for the <laughs> Houston Texans, and that's an organization there. I mean, two straight years, you hire African-Americans, and then two straight years, they're one and done. Cal McNair and that ownership group there in Houston, they need to get their you-know-what together because that is an organization that is just a muck and in a mess right now. They need some serious uh, direction and serious uh, healing, serious uh, foresight as to repair the image of that franchise. Yeah, they're, uh, they've been in the mess for much too long now, and it'll be certainly nice to see if they can get out of it anytime soon. And Zig, well, I've got you. I always love following you on Twitter because not only do you give such a great range of, of NFL guests and topics, but you're also in on, on NHL, which is big here in Calgary. And uh, I'd oh, have yeah. to ask you about the Boston Bruins while I've got you. What a, a, an amazing franchise. What a year they're having. And, man, do you ever get impressed with David Pasternak? What a game he had against Anaheim. And, He's going to get paid uh, by somebody. I don't know if it's the Bruins, but somebody's going to have to pay up for David Pasternak when he becomes a free agent. Yeah, I, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to stay in Boston. I think, let, let's make something clear. When Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, when they want to retain a player, they will do so. And I, and I know it's a popular narrative that you know they haven't signed him yet. You know, is he going to be asking for $12 million, $13 million a year? It'll be interesting to see, but I think if Pasternak truly wants to stay, maybe he adopts the Bergeron mantra. Maybe I take a little bit less, keep better players around me, which is what Bergie did all those years. As far as the on-ice product managed, to me, I figured they would be okay in terms of, you know, you still have your core there to contend for the playoffs, but it's clear a few things came to uh, fruition. The returns of Bergeron and David Krejci really have given this team unparalleled depth at the center spot. You're seeing guys like Trent Frederick emerge. You know, to me, the Zaka for Eric Holla trades, larceny, that's almost a Harry Sinden back in the day trade when he would make these uh, lopsided deals because I think Zaka's been outstanding for him. Uh, Lindholm now in his first full year showing how really good he is. Um, so you've had some players there, but I think the real big thing there is Montgomery letting his players play their uh, system. He's also had the defense more involved in the offense this year. And people always talk about McDavid or Pasternak or whoever being the MVP. You can make a legitimate case for Linus Allmark as the MVP. Here's a guy who struggled a little bit last year uh, coming over from Buffalo, though the second half of the year he was better, uh, second full year into the system with the defense, and Bob Asenza, the former NHL goalie, does a really good job working with the Boston netminders. Uh, Allmark is technically perfect. I mean, he has only one regulation loss, for goodness sakes, and he's bailed out the Bruins on a few times this year, Logan, I would make an argument, obviously, for the Vezina Trophy, but maybe for MVP, Linus Allmark has been that good. Yeah, Bruins have been remarkable. Still not a regulation loss at home. 19-0-3. They're 8-0-2 
in their last 10 and on a four-game winning streak. They are sitting firmly atop the NHL standings. Zig, thanks so much for doing this, man. Always love talking with you. Uh, thanks for helping us recap NFL Week 18 and looking forward to Wild Card Weekend. We'll chat with you again down the line, sir. Anytime, Logan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Zeke Fricasi joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Zig Sports Voice. He is, uh, of course, a longtime host and anchor on Sirius XM NFL Radio, also a contributor to Sirius XM NHL Radio as well, helping us uh, break down what was a crazy week 18 in the NFL and wildcard weekend kicks things off on Saturday, a battle in the NFC between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. We'll take a break. It'll end off Hour 1 here on Sportsnet today. In Hour 2, we'll chat some more NHL hockey with uh, Reed Wilkins, a 6.30 chat up the road in Edmonton. Some struggles for the Edmonton Oilers of late. What's uh, to blame for the recent streak of inconsistent play from the Edmonton Oilers, and what might they look to do ahead of the NHL's trade deadline? Plus, we'll dive more into the Flames and the Blackhawks from last night. That's all coming up on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.